it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. And it if sure you are, is. <laughs> is, isn't it? I know. And and if you're looking for something, the perfect gift for a friend or for yourself, I recommend. Maybe you can recommend it because it sounds really self-serving and narcissistic when I recommend it. Um, the wonderful oral history of Star Trek, uh, the 50-year well, mission. Would that be the 50-year mission? Uh, volume one be. and two? Volume one. Now, I want to make an important distinction. Volume one, available now in paperback. Volume two, only in hardcover still. Right. So, But you can get the audio version, get the digital version. You can get them all. Because maybe them you all. want them get all. Get all of them. You know, because that would be ideal. I, I would prefer <laughs> you get them all. Because I had my, my druthers, as they say. And then, of course, also... Our other books, which are worth checking out, Nobody Does It Better, also available in hardcover and now in paperback. That's about uh, James Bond, isn't it? How'd you guess? I just about James Bond. Because nobody does it better, that's why. It's a great book about James Bond. So as you get ready for the inevitable release of uh, No Time to Die sometime in the next decade. There's no time um, to release. (laughs) You want to pick up No Time to Die, again, also available on digital, audio, and in hardcover and paperback from, uh, from Tor Forge. And uh, if you want to do a deeper dive, check out uh, So So Say We All, our oral history of both Battlestar Galactica series, which is only available in hardcover. And I don't believe there's an audio book. I just think a digital. I'm not sure why they didn't do an audio book. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we can I'll, do something about that. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll just record <laughs> our own and we'll, we'll show them. So uh, anyway, uh, if you're thinking about the holidays and wondering what to get, please uh, check out uh, my books uh, with Ed Gross. The 50-Year Mission, Volume 1 and 2, So Say We All, An Oral History of Battlestar Galactica, and most recently, Nobody Does It Better, A Complete Oral History of the James Bond Films and Spy Mania. Ed Gross will thank you. Hey, Darren, have you been watching us on uh, the Electric Now app? I have. I haven't recently because I, I, I watch you pretty much every week when we're doing these things. But Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's you know what I love about it's, the Electric Now app? It's better it's on so video. It's so easy to use. It's, it's, it's better really on video. Easy. Download the it. app and you watch us. That's all there is to it. It's so and, simple. And a lot of other cool stuff too. You go to the app store. It says electric now. You download it. And then it. Press, in the United States. Press the button and there it is. There it is. And you can choose. You can bookmark it. There's plenty of other movies and TV show to enjoy. And episodes of all your favorite electric surge podcasts. So why wait? Download the electric now app and start enjoying us anytime. Live from Los Angeles, it's Saturday night with <laughs> your guest host, Darren Doctorman. Hi. Steve Belching. Uh, yeah, we're here. We're ready to go. And the leader of the band, Ashley Edward Miller. I deny everything. <laughs> so you're I, wondering. I, for, I, I forgot my catchphrase. <laughs> you're, you're wondering what Live from New York Week is. Wonder no further, because I'm about to tell you, I'm Mark A. Altman. I'm also one of your, your co-hosts. I like to think I'm in the uh, Bill Shatner vein of hosting, as opposed to, uh, or, or Jason Bateman, who was pretty good last week. Uh, uh, but um, as opposed to, who was a really bad host on Saturday Live? There have been a lot of really bad hosts. Adele, for instance. I don't really see myself in the Adele League. Um, so anyway, okay. Sinead O'Connor uh, wasn't. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> she was the musical guest. <laughs> oh, right. That doesn't count. Um, we don't have any photos to rip tonight. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, so um, live from New York, what does it mean? Is it guest hosts on Sarah Live? No. What we're doing is a week of movies from former cast or maybe current cast members of Saturday Night Live. And what's extraordinary is I thought, wow, we're really going to struggle this week to come up with uh, movies, you know. But yeah. it's quite the opposite, I think you'll all, you'll find. There is a plethora, a plethora, <laughs> a myriad of movies from Saturday Night Live veterans that is worthy <laughs> of our of, of, of programming. So we'll and lead that, up to I Saturday Night. From one of them. What? And that quote you just used is from one of them. Is it? It sure <laughs> is. Because we are the Californians. That's so right. uh, <laughs> I ran out of room in my notebook making making oh notes God. about making right? notes. I mean, it is. <laughs> I, I literally I literally thought this was an idea that Steve had. And I said, you know, look, it sounds like a good idea. But I said, you know, this will be easy. I mean, you know, how many movies could there be? Saturday Night Live. And boy, was I wrong. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Because, you know, we're not just talking about movies derived from sketches on the show or characters on the show. We're talking about it could be a movie based on the show itself, or it could be a movie starring or created by a cast member. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out, Steve, because indeed that would be a much harder week to program (laughs) if it was just uh, skits. Uh, Wednesday is Coneheads. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it, it's Pat on Thursday. <laughs> so it's we're really lucky that. Uh, that Why did you, know, you take my two, my any, two selections? Any movie. Any movie starring a current or veteran Saturday Night Live cast member, not guest. You know that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, so uh, just uh, cast members, members what, of the ensemble. What if, they're, what if they're members of the Five Timers Club? Nope. Mm. So Steve this, Martin, for instance, Steve would Martin not count. count. Tom Hanks not, does no. not count. Tom Hanks would not, not does an not official count. cast member. <laughs> nope, has to be an official cast member. Not Elliot Gould. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the Five Timers Club. Does not count. <laughs> I want to I ask you, what's your favorite Saturday Night Live skit? Like, what was your favorite when you look back i think i know what darren's is oh really do i not i don't know i don't think you do it's not uh the jim belushi star trek uh being canceled skit well that was john john belushi jim belushi jim belushi star trek skit was terrible oh, you, you haven't seen that it's sublime <laughs> uh no it is not that one really okay it's really well, not tell us one. Tell us, Jim, what was your uh, what what's your favorite Saturday Night Live skit? Well, when you My think back, at Saturday Night Live skit is the Restaurant Enterprise. Oh yeah, no, really? Yeah, Ugh. no sneeze guard <laughs> in the salad bar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> ma'am, I, I, the Romulan is a fried clam sandwich. I love, I love it's that. So chat. funny. <laughs> I love that episode so much. I was so I, I can't believe Shatner's never been back because, you know, the opening skit about the conventions and the get a life. And yes. then, you know, his Ollie North bit was so great. The Mute Marine. I'm not a fan. Mute, of Mute Marine. Yes. Mute Marine. 
Oh, I'm T- not a fan T- of Restaurant Enterprise. It's TJ Hooker. That, that whole episode was solid. Every was sketch so was good. funny. The Restaurant Enterprise so is, is sublime in the fact that it calls back to that John Belushi skit because the guy who plays Sulu is the right. same person. Yes. Right. yes. Because yes. the guy who played Sulu was a staff member on Saturday Night Live and he was still there 20 years. And that man's name was George Takai. <laughs> <laughs> That's Takai. Sunday. <laughs> I have to say that George has gone up so much in my estimation ever since he got political. I think he has some of the most astute political commentary of this recent election cycle. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm digging George these days. Um, but he's no bill. So uh, anyway, that's a that's an interest. I wouldn't have expected it. Obviously, restaurant enterprise from uh, Darren. What about Full you? What's still revolving? <laughs> there, I mean, I've been such a fan. I, I'm not one of those SNL snobs who thinks it was only funny, you know, in the first few years. I, I think there have been several what I would consider golden ages of SNL. There's probably mm-hmm. four or five periods where the cast was really strong and the writing was really strong. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 so I, it's hard for me to narrow down on any one sketch, but one that always pops to mind is one that is impossible to see anymore uh, because it's it's never been uh, repeated in the, you know, it's, it was never on the Netflix version or the Hulu version of the show that you can watch now. Uh, it, it wasn't, I think on the 60 minute cut downs they aired. Um, I presume, who knows why it's probably a music issue. There's a lot of sketches that are just gone. But this is from a Tom Hanks hosted episode from 1990. It was uh, Carl Sagan's Global Warming Christmas Special uh, <laughs> with um, Mike Myers playing uh, Carl Sagan and Tom Hanks playing uh, Dean Martin. And, you know, they just they did this whole musical Christmas special that was I thought was hilarious. That's a I agree one. with that criticism you know, of people criticizing the show ever since it premiered. It's not as good as it used to be. I think they were probably saying that by the end of first season, it's not as good as it used to be. And you're right. It just like Eddie's in currents. It just, you know, it goes up and it goes down. But I mean, there, there've been so many great casts of Sarah live. And then, you know, it takes them a while to sort of rebuild like any baseball team, you know, where they, they sort of have to go out and, you know, uh, uh, recruit again, and and eventually they have a World Series team. But they're you know a couple. Can they of do Moneyball the... with like the <laughs> they do Moneyball exactly <laughs> right? It's like look, they don't have to get the big laugh. They just have to get on base. I mean, I'm in awe of you know what what Lauren Michaels has done. And if anybody doubts you know his brilliance, just look at that season that Dean Dominion Do- Dominion uh, uh, took over the show. You know, and I, I I don't know if you guys have read that oral history live from New York. The sure. Family of oral. What a great book, and yeah. what you know, just amazing stories about the history of the show. And obviously, um, it, it's it's a pretty remarkable. Um, story, but you know, they, 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 you know, to start on Monday with a blank sheet of paper, and by Saturday night be putting on a ninety-minute live show is is pretty extraordinary. Well, the machine they created to make this show is unbelievable, and the the way it cranks through um, all these ideas in the space of a, a short week, and uh, and the way that it has. Um, fostered the development of all these uh, actors and actresses and comedians is phenomenal. 
Yeah. I, I'm in such awe of the crew of that show. Cause it's one thing to write this stuff and you can argue like, well, God, they have 40 writers on the show. How can they not have, you know, a better selection of sketches, but the production staff that has to, you know, once they start getting the approved ideas, they've got mm -hmm. a matter of hours or, you know, a couple of days to put together the sets and the costumes and the props and all that stuff. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Steve, you remember when we went to that exhibit in New York, the <laughs> yes. live from New York? That and you know, we we like we we're catching a plane that night or something, if I remember, and it was like, oh, let's go to that thing, you know, not expecting it to be anything good, you know, but it was empty when we got there. It was like yeah. almost, and it was so great. Oh my uh, god, it, it was huge. The, it was this it traveling was exhibit that happened. It was a traveling exhibit that happened to be in New York at that time. And didn't uh, have to travel very far. Yeah. And it was great. We some dude out front gave us like it was handing out like discount, discount passes. Tickets. They so couldn't give away. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was Lauren great. Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> but it took you through Monday to like Saturday, and then they had like you know a whole prop museum from the history of Saint Live, and at the end they you know studio you know eight H eight H. Yeah, they had a replica of of the studio where like you were there, like when they were recording an episode and like they used a hologram. Uh, it was really, really great. It was oh, yeah. super I got, fun. You I know, got my I got my picture taken at the Turd Ferguson uh, podium for Celebrity <laughs> Jeopardy. We haven't we haven't heard Ashley's favorites. Uh, no, no, I, I was getting to him. That was what we call in the business an aside. So oh, that was I a little, see. A little <laughs> aside. But that's I, an aside. I'm getting to uh, I'm getting to Ashley now, of course. Um, Ashley, what um, favorite skit uh, Saturday you know, Night Live? I I discovered Saturday Night Live because you know I'm I am ever so slightly younger than you guys are uh, during the Eddie Murphy era, mm -hmm. and I love Eddie Murphy. So to me, it's like Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You know, or it's like um, Black History Minute. Right, it's like it's it's stuff like that, like anything well, the, the, that the assassination James of Brown's celebrity hot tub. The assassination well, too hot. of <laughs> too hot, hot tub. Yeah, exactly. The assassination that, of buckwheat. That buckwheat that, that was a great concept show. Like unlike most SNLs, it had a running storyline that went through the whole ninety minutes. It was sort of yeah. like mm -hmm. SCTV, how they would do running storylines through the whole show. I love that. Sorry, Ashley. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. I, I just think Eddie Murphy was just he was at the height of his power there, and I, I just everything he did I thought was was funny but I, I love those like in particular because he just brought so much energy mm -hmm. to that show and it was just but it was really focused and he really got into who his characters were like he was playing characters it wasn't I mean he was doing shtick but like they all had their own identities which is really interesting and you know, of course, Saturday Night Live just sort of pioneered sort of the short film. Uh, they did some of those, you know, Robert Smigel and all, did some of these brilliant short films. I mean, a tradition that continues. I mean, I think we talked about it last year. And in way, uh, the, the whole uh, when they did Oscar the Grouch, which is a parody of uh, Joker, which was so so brilliant. But I mean, mm -hmm. if you go through well, their history, and of course, of Albert Brooks kind of started that mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. first uh, couple seasons. He did these little film uh, uh, segments that were absolutely amazing. Well, dear God, yeah. speaking of Eddie Murphy, there was that one where he went out dressed as a white man. He put on white face yeah. yep. and went out and, you know, it was pretty audacious. Yep. You know, or, you know, I think some of the Lonely Island guys did yeah. some of their stuff originally on Saturday Night Live, like Dick in a mm -hmm. Box with like Justin Timberlake, which is genius, was first on Saturday Night Live. A chronic um, what? Coals of Narnia. Narnia. Yeah. 
it's amazing how much this stuff permeates pop culture. You know, when, when a skit hits, it becomes, you know, a catchphrase and suddenly you just see it everywhere. And, you know, it's the same thing politically that, you know, um, Saturday Night Live can really shape uh, opinions. I mean, obviously, uh, Sarah Palin brought on herself because she had the IQ of a you know, two-year-old. But at the same time, Sarah Palin really shaped the public perception. You know, Tina Fey's performance really shaped the public perception of, of Sarah Palin. She became a national joke. Um, and and sometimes, it's amazing. They really, sometimes they really subvert it, too. There's a classic sketch with uh, Phil Hartman, the late, great Phil Hartman, uh, playing Reagan, where mm-hmm. it opens and he's the sort of doddering grandfather. Will I? Nice to see you. And they, they usher the visitors out of the Oval Office. And then he snaps into this razor focused, you know, uh, super president. It's very funny. Well, some would argue the reason Ford didn't get reelected was because of the the parodies of Ford where, where he you know Chevy Chase depicted him as a total klutz and incompetent and that was the perception people had of Gerald Ford as a result of uh, Saturday Alive you know and obviously they sort of had this Faustian bargain early on with Trump but then they dined out on that with you know um, Alec Baldwin's brilliant performance of Trump you know in the last couple of years so it's a fascinating show and it's amazing for a show that's been around for so long uh, and at 1130 at night, uh, uh, you know, something like David S. Pumpkins, again, becomes like a national obsession. Um, it's, 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 it's crazy. Tunes it, is it, the driving cat. It, it, it doesn't stand for intellectual chaos. Like, um, but, you know, even to this day, I mean, we, you know, get a life is so associated with, with, mm-hmm. with Chadner and, and, you know, his whole take on, on fans. I mean, Arguably, that was would Galaxy years Quest ago, even years exist ago. without that skit? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But but uh, but yeah. So um, do you guys have a favorite uh, Saturday Live performer? Favorite favorite? You know, somebody who you you mentioned Eddie Murphy. Ashley, mm-hmm. I assume that that was your favorite. What about you, Steve? Anybody uh, your oh, favorite man. performer? I'm I'm torn. I was a huge fan of Phil Hartman. Uh, it was his murder was such a, a terrible tragedy. Um, I was also a huge fan of Chris Farley. I I know a lot of these actors are are very. Uh, subjective or or you know a lot of people love him or hate him but i thought chris farley his his dedication to whatever ridiculous role he was playing was so intense that i just loved him and uh and i like will ferrell too i think he's hilarious he has that similar craze dedication what about you darren um i i love belushi i loved um uh i i love phil hartman uh i uh i loved eddie murphy um I hmm. I didn't like Mike Myers all that much, at least on the show. He was a little overexposed. He was such a breakout star that yeah. he was every. He had so many characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was much better in the Halloween movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I I I miss Don Pardo. I missed the, that Don oh, Pardo yeah. announcements at the beginning. Just, you know, that was a you knew it was Saturday night. Although I have to say that Daryl Hammond has at first was not particularly good, but he's grown into it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I loved him good. as Pris in uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> oh, no, wait, that's Daryl Hannah. <laughs> and in Slash, he was great. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, we got a big show. We got a big show for you today. Darren Donovan is here. <laughs> Steve Melching is here, and, 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 and Ashley Melching. Miller, the 4.30 movie guys, they're Ashley here. Ashley Edward Miller. <laughs> Stick around, we'll be right back. <laughs> Mark, you didn't, you didn't, uh, what, Mark, you didn't say what some of, one of your favorite yeah. sketches or, or yeah. cast members are. My, my, fa- yeah, my favorite sketch is, uh, God, there, I, there's so many, I, I, I was hoping I could, I could duck that bullet. Look, obviously the Shatner <laughs> one, uh, uh, clearly get a life, but, um, uh, uh, you know, I and I, I, I gotta say, I was really impressed when Eddie Murphy came back to promote Dolomite and came and did the show after all these years after swearing he would never come back. And he was brilliant. He yeah. was mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, and and I not that looked, you know, anything recent is among the greatest things. But I have to say, you know, there, there have been some great skits recently. The uh, we talked about the birds parody, which I thought was super fun. There's this great parody of like. Goodfellas and political correctness they did a couple of weeks ago um, where, um, you know, this guy gets out of prison and he's using, you know, sort of all these w- words that people don't use anymore to describe <laughs> people in the gang. And, you know, and, and, and they're all going, whoa, you know, when I was it, talking it, about favorite performers, I, I completely forgot about Dan Aykroyd. Oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd is unfreaking believable. He was uh, he he was shot out of a gun from the first episode, and has uh, you know continued on to not only be a fantastic, funny performer, but a writer and uh, just amazing talent. Yeah, I would have to say for me, maybe it was Tina Fey or oh, yeah. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. But I loved Eddie Murphy. You know, I loved the the, the early cast, obviously. Um, and, you know, it took a long time because, you know, back in the 70s when it really uh, became this huge phenomenon, my parents wouldn't let me stay up to watch it. Sure. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have these, that, that was tough. Uh, so, you know, I missed it in the early days. And, and uh, but by, you know, but like, you know, by the, by the early 80s, I was watching it religiously, you know, every Saturday night when I was home. And uh, it was um, it was great. So many, I mean, look, so many, so many amazing skits and, and so many amazing actors who came through that door. I mean, we joke, you know, Larry David was on for a season. There are people we don't even realize were on, were on the show. Julia Louise Dreyfus, you know, mm-hmm. who, you know, who, who were completely unmemorable from their time on Sarah Live and yet went on to have these amazing careers. I mean, uh, doing other, other things. And it's always great to see when somebody like Larry David comes back or, you know, I'm Julia Louise Dreyfus. I mean, to, to not only be, a legend in, in one sitcom with Seinfeld, but then to do it again, even, you know, with Veep is, is amazing. And you would have never guessed from her tenure on Saturday Live. And, you know, and then there's people like, you know, Adam Sandler. I, I don't know how well represented he's going to be this week <laughs> in terms of movies, but we'll find out. Wednesdays, little Nicky. And then, of course, you know, there's someone that most people may not remember, Jim Henson. Oh, that's, that's right. Jim that's Henson right. Uh, and the Muppets, or Jim Henson's creations were part of the first right. season. And uh, I believe the cast, uh, the not ready for primetime players, really loved him. <laughs> no. Well, speaking of the Muppets, <laughs> it's I believe Muppet they, Saturday Night Live. I, I believe they called them the Mucking Fuppets. <laughs> well, it's time for Statler and Waldorf to do their thing. So we're going to go to Monday. This is live from New York week. Here on the 430 movie where we curate a fantasy theme week of classic films. So starting or streaming these days, uh, Steve Belching, what's it going to be for Monday? 
You know, as you mentioned early in the show, uh, even though I proposed this idea and I thought, yeah, there's quite a few films that would probably qualify. When I really started thinking about it, it's a it's a long list. There are a lot of films to choose from for this. And it was a really difficult decision. But I'm going to go with my my initial thought. And that's one that's like straight down the middle for me on this one. It's the Mosquito Coast. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's actually, I believe, the first film, a uh, feature film made from, uh, well, no, no, it's not not the first film made by a cast member of SNL, but the first film derived from SNL. And that is 1980s The Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, with Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Belushi, uh, directed by uh, John Landis. We got a full tank of gas. Half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. They want $5,000. Guess you really up shit creek. Are you the police? No, ma'am. Or musicians. Everybody. Don't you guys ever wear blue jeans or jumpsuits like like Wayne Cochran or CC Riders? We're on a mission from God. Good to see you, sweetheart. You contemptible pig. How much for the women? <laughs> I catch that sucker. Excuse me. You see two guys coming here, black suits, black hats. Sit them down there. Thank you. Oh, please don't kill us. You know I love you, baby. Let's go. Famously, uh, uh, Belushi and Aykroyd had performed these characters on SNL a few times. And uh, it's interesting, the genesis of this is uh, Aykroyd was always a big blues and soul fan. And during his tenure on the show, he had opened a little dive bar uh, in Manhattan called the uh, Blues Club, I think. And um, a lot of the cast members used to go there uh, after the show and party till dawn. And Belushi, of course, was there. And uh, Aykroyd always kept a bunch of musical instruments on hand in case people wanted to jam. And musicians would go and and they would jam. And uh, uh, Belushi developed a a similar deep love of uh, the blues and soul music. And the two of them started performing together and they would perform around New York City together and uh, as these characters. And I think it was, um, it was uh, the musical director, Howard Shore, mm-hmm. uh, who's went on to be a big composer of films, uh, started calling them the Blues Brothers. And mm-hmm. they took on that name and, and ran with it. And uh, Aykroyd wrote, they decided to make this film that Universal thought was going to cost like $12 million or something. It should and, have. Yeah. yeah. And a- Aykroyd started writing, but he had never 
written or even read a screenplay before. So what he turned in- How hard could it be? Yeah. What he turned in was nearly 400 pages of <laughs> notes and free verse, as he described it, that he actually bound in what looked like the Los Angeles telephone book. And uh, he tried to get uh, uh, some of uh, their other collaborators uh, to, to work on the script, but they didn't do it. So it ended up just being uh, Landis pairing, crafting it into a screenplay. So they basically started shooting this movie with no script. That's, that's a bi- the bad last idea. Time. Yeah. And then of course, the, the, the production of the film shot largely on location in Chicago, but also in LA, uh, went off the rails uh, very quickly. It, it ended up being at the time, it cost almost as much to make the Blues Brothers as it cost to make The Empire Strikes Back, uh, nearly $30 million. And they, you know, you watch the film, you can say, yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of cars in it. <laughs> there's this crazy car chase where dozens of cars getting wrecked to the point that the production had a full-time auto body shop going to keep all these cars running. Um, but, and, and Belushi's erratic behavior and drug use, uh, kept it made it difficult for them to make their days and you know there's a famous story of Aykroyd finding Belushi crashed uh, on a house near the studio where they were filming he had just knocked on the door and the people let him in and he raided the refrigerator and fell asleep on the watch tv <laughs> on their sofa um, and uh, the film was ultimately made it cost a ton of money and uh, it actually ended up making a lot of money. Universal was convinced it was going to be a disaster, but it ended up making a lot of money. And I've always loved this movie. It's 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 this great sprawling epic comedy of like urban sleaze. Uh, so one critic described it as a demolition symphony. And it's I love the absurdity of it uh, and, and how just kind of weird it is. Uh, and, and, and it's wall to wall with fantastic music, like the Blues Brothers band that uh, they put together with the help of Paul Schaefer, who was the piano player uh, on SNL and was actually supposed to be in the Blues Brothers band in the movie, but uh, was as Murph of Murph and the Magic Tones, but he was, he was unavailable due to his SNL contract, apparently. Um, it's a really good band. Like all those mus- musicians are top notch players and you'll recognize a lot of them in the SNL band uh, in those old episodes. Um, but it's just such a wonderful celebration of that blues music. And, you know, I know it's gotten some criticism in recent years for cultural appropriation, but I, I always felt that Aykroyd and Belushi and those guys came by it their fandom honestly they they really yeah. love this music they love listening to it they have it they were celebrating passion. it they were celebrating yeah, they it trying to steal it no and to the point that Aykroyd insisted on hiring all these classic musicians to perform in the movie you know right. whether it's Cab Calloway or John Lee Hooker or Aretha Franklin Ray Charles James Brown they have all these legendary blues and soul musicians in there performing yeah. their songs they and went to the source yeah and it's just wonderful and uh I always, I always had a soft spot for this movie. I saw it when I was a kid, and it's just, I, I love this. I just love the sense of humor to it. It, it, it. There's a car chase in a shopping mall for crying out. That's that's amazing. <laughs> and I have one minor connection to the film. I worked with Charles Napier on a couple of shows. He played the head of the Good Old Boys band, who was one of the factions trying to chase down the blues brothers through the movie. And, and he was a delight. It was, it was a thrill to work with him. Did you talk to him about the way Eden? 
No. Yeah, brother. <laughs> that was the first band he you, was involved in. You missed your opportunity. And, and another thing I love mm. about this movie is it's one of those movies that it, at the time in the late 70s and early 80s, in a lot of these kind of comedies, there was always this iconic vehicle. And in this movie, it was the Bluesmobile. And it was their, their iconic vehicle. But in Animal House, you had the Deathmobile. And in Stripes, you had the EM-50 urban assault vehicle. And in Ghostbusters, you had the Ecto-1. And I kind of miss those days when you had some crazy iconic vehicle that the heroes roamed around in. Yeah. yeah. So no, anyway, that's, that's a great funny. way to start us off. And look, I think it's a movie uh, that inspired a lot of people's love of the blues and to do a deeper dive into it, you know, where they they, they, they found out who B.B. King was and who Aretha was and all this stuff because of the Blues Brothers, you know. So, um, you know, when you, you know, that's the flip side of this so-called uh, cultural appropriation. And I think that uh, was part of the reason why Aykroyd wanted to make this movie. He wanted to share his love of this music with the world, with as many people as possible so that it would be celebrated. Yeah. So uh, really a fine choice, recently released in 4K by Universal. Um, and uh, that kicks us off with a bang with the two legendary original Saturday Night Live cast members, not Jim Belushi, John Belushi <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd. So that brings us to Tuesday and Darren Dockerman. Darren, what's it going to be? Well, I had, I had several choices that I was mulling uh, around. In who my does mind. that? Nobody. I don't know. It's it's a it's a cop out, isn't it? It's a real it cop out. Is. Where really you can't is. decide. Can't I decide. finally decided when I was hearing um, uh, Steve talk about his choice because I didn't want to. I didn't want to feel like was I was retreading on those uh, things because I was going to pick something that was that had a couple of the same participants in it. But anyway, Blues, Bro Blues Brothers two thousand. No. No. Okay. Drown that. No. <laughs> One of the first cast members of the Not Ready for Primetime players uh, to leave the show and seek fame and fortune elsewhere was a man named Chevy Chase. And in 1983, he did a film uh, that uh, is extremely memorable to me, and I enjoyed it the first time I saw it, and I enjoy it every time I watch it since. And I found out long ago it's a long way down the holiday road. <laughs> <laughs> and you find all that out in National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983. Holiday road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's Vacation. See the real America. Hey, underpants. Hey, yellow. <laughs> it's friendly. I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? It's educational. It's great. And most of all, it's fun. The dog went on the picnic basket. Let Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Imogene Coca, Randy Quaid, John Candy, and Christy Brinkley. Well, are you gonna go for it? This is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. Take you for a ride. This summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation. 
Better check under the hood. Um, it is such a hilarious, um, on the brink of real life. It's <laughs> almost real. And it's almost too real sometimes. Um, but it's such a fun romp uh, about the trials and tribulations of uh, taking the family on a cross-country drive uh, to go to Wally World, Dad. Um, Another iconic vehicle. That's yeah. correct. The family yeah. truckster. Uh, it's it's just it's just jam packed. This is the first uh, you know it's credited with uh, 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 being written by John Hughes based on his uh, short story Vacation Fifty Eight from the National Lampoon, um, and it's just so jam packed with fun incidents. There's it, it, not really a plot. It's it's a it's a quest. It's a quest for fun. And, whether you like it or the not original title <laughs> yes and it's but it's so good and there's there's so many sort of uh, uh guest stars that pop in randy quaid is amazing um uh you know imogene coca is in it uh and uh you know john candy who was also in blues brothers yeah christy yeah. brinkley of course well yeah <laughs> oh my but it's just so many, so many great vignettes and fun things and disgusting things. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I absolutely love it from the first time I saw it on videotape. Um, and it also has another Saturday Night Live uh, actor in it, Anthony Michael Hall. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall as Rusty. That's, that's correct. Had he uh, been on the show at that point? No, he, he was too he young at that it, yeah. He was yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it's so good, and uh, and uh, you know, a lot of people a lot of people say that they that they like uh, Christmas Vacation better. I'm not one of those people. I mean, I, I love Christmas Vacation, Christmas vacation. But, no. I, but I love the original Vacation. To me, it's it's like uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy. There's the original classic, and then there's the one that everybody seems to like, which isn't that good. Right. And, well, then there's European Vacation, which. Is not the no, Temple of Doom because it's no. just awful. Well, Chris, no, I mean, no. Christmas Vacation is a perennial. Like people like to bring it out at Christmas sure, time, and right. they, it's more visible, I guess. And I enjoy it. I, I watch it most every year. But I love. I'm with Darren. I love the original Vacation. I I happen to see it in the theater in my little small town, Colorado. You know, tiny little movie theater, and I, I loved it because I I'm someone my my family didn't have a lot of money growing up and we were uh, an air force family. So we moved around every few years. So all of our summer vacations were road trips that would, you know, be based out of wherever we happened to be living at that time. So I spent a lot of time, you know, in the back of a station wagon or, you know, much like the Griswold uh, kids, right. Very identified driving, driving through the desert and, you know, thankfully we never crashed or. And of course it was, it was directed by Harold Ramis. Uh, yes. whom some of you may remember as a member of the Ghostbusters, but he's also yeah. an amazing, he was an amazing comic director. And uh, I got to work with him a little bit on Multiplicity back in the uh, 90s. And he was such a fun person to talk with and, and work with. And it's a great loss to everybody that he's gone now. But, as uh, someone who's uh, 
been confused with Harold Ramis on many occasions. I have to say, I also was a huge fan of Harold Ramis, who, of course, did the great Ghostbusters and was originally supposed, not Ghostbusters, um, the, the great uh, Groundhog Day and was supposed yeah. to have done uh, Galaxy uh, Quest. Galaxy Quest, yeah. Yeah, and and, and ended up uh, creative differences uh, parting of the ways. But uh, Vacation is a wonderful, wonderful, entertaining, fun film. You know, we and talk about the 80s. consistently funny and, all the way through. Yeah. It yeah. is. And the thing is, I look at it differently now than I did <laughs> when did. I saw it when I was a teenager, because <laughs> I, I really understand Clark Griswold so yeah. much better now. There's yes. actual pathos in yeah. that movie. Like, this is the story about a man who is trying to A, reconnect with and B, validate like his own masculinity, his own position as his husband, life. his position as father. Yeah. And that's why that third act is so fucking amazing. Because at that point, he's put it all out on the line for these ungrateful pricks. And we're going to have a good time, whether they like or not. I mean, I'm like, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's perfect. And Chevy Chase is perfect in that yeah. movie. Yeah. As a kid, I always really enjoyed that movie because I had a similar experience. There were two theme parks outside new york um great adventure and right. jungle habitat that's you know, right commercials all, and i'd never been to either of them and, and for years i just I, I really wanted to go and my grandfather finally said i'm gonna take you and your brother to to jungle habitat oh and gosh. we were so excited so excited to go it was like our first big amusement park and we drive out to jungle habitat and it's closed <laughs> and oh my goodness so and, you know for hours we're driving you know it's like two and a half hours from brooklyn to finally get to new jersey wherever it is jungle heaven and and we're just so upset and so disappointed so when i saw the movie years later it reminded me of that i related to that 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 you know you do anything at that point that's so to, funny to, to fix that to, to, to remedy the situation that's because so it's funny. so Mark, heartbreaking I don't, I don't want to rub it in but I got to go to Jungle Habitat. Oh, I'm just man. saying. I, I'm not going to say anything because we do not have an explicit uh, <laughs> label on this podcast. So I'm just going to say, man, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to bite my tongue. Well, I, I loved it. What, another thing I loved about Vacation, it's like the perfect movie when you're like a young teenager too, because it's silly, but it's also a little bit dirty. It's a little yeah. naughty, you know? Yeah. So it feels like you're, you know, much like Saturday Night Live, it was when I was a kid, it has that little bit of air of forbidden fruit about right. it. Like swimming naked with girls. Yes. Yeah, like Just swimming naked with girls. Brilliant enough. <laughs> <laughs> but then you also have like, you know, the whole thing with the dog and, and with the grandmother <laughs> dying. For five, maybe six miles before <laughs> the legs came out. You know, it's the kind of thing now, it's like they get on Twitter and it'd be like, you know, everybody would say, oh, you know, you, you can't do this. You can't say this. You know, people are going to imitate this. It's like, no, it's just funny. What's funny is that it is so outrageous, you know, and so horrifying, you know. It, but it's that, not that was my point earlier. It's not really that outrageous because it's it's, it's it could happen to anybody. It could. It's, it is, it is it happen to you. And I, and I also love that, you know, the whole roadside uh, Americana culture to it. One of the yeah. postcards in one of the montages is for this attraction that was only about 12 miles from my house in nice. Colorado. I used to drive past it all the time. Was it the dead deer? Yeah, it was the dead deer. It became an attraction. <laughs> and, you know, it also captures this era that, I mean, maybe it still exists now, but 
you know, when we were kids going on road trips, you'd stop at like the Ramada Inn or the Howard mm-hmm. Johnson's. These sort of run down motor in right. lodge uh, motels and park the station wagon or whatever it was. You know, now everything's like a Marriott or a Hilton and, you know, they're much nicer. And well, even, for you, you know, this. Well, maybe, but, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, you know, they, there's a, a lot of, um, you know, even the chains, you know, they're, they're, they're a big step up from, you know, what we were, you know, going through the shag carpet and mm-hmm. everything. And, you know, uh, it, it just, um, well, it's, again, I'm it, telling it, you, as someone who did that, drive, nostalgia. As, yeah, as someone who did that drive between Colorado and California down through to Mexico and Arizona several times back in the seventies and eighties, like, your your choices choice of accommodations were limited yeah they Mm -hmm. weren't great and and they weren't first class especially you know on a budget and so yeah it's definitely different i've done that drive since then and there's a lot more you know sort of that's what i'm saying that's that's the point that's the point even the like the the, those places that are the chains you know there's there's a level you know they got the free cookies in the lobby could you imagine in that late 70s going on a road trip cross country oh have some free cookies you know, yeah. no, that's, that's not happening. You know, the, oh, our complimentary breakfast will be set up at seven o'clock in the lot. No, you were lucky if they had a vending machine that worked. Yeah. I mean, it was it was very it was very different. But that's a great choice. It also is one of those films that I think the nostalgia of that was on along with Victory and Looker was on HBO every 12 seconds. So uh. I think it's one of these movies that, you know, we've seen a lot and I haven't seen recently, but back in the mid eighties. I mean, I must seen like tons and tons mm-hmm. of time. It was always- We should on. do HBO week. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> fun. <laughs> Movies that didn't stop playing on HBO. Well, the funny thing is that pretty much pretty soon everything is going to be on HBO all the time. <laughs> yeah, Did you see what Chris Nolan said? I mean, yeah. man, he really eviscerated. He doesn't want to uh, work anymore, does he? God, and, and then, well, no, he doesn't work, want to work for them. I said, the, the best movie studio is now putting all their movies on the worst streaming service. Yeah, and, and the reason they're doing that is because his movie tanks so hard in theaters. Yeah. After his movie nearly nearly crashed the studio. You know so. what? I, I got to tell you, I know a lot of people bagging on him. I, I, I'm more, I, I kind of understand what he's saying. Yeah. You know, he is trying to protect the movie going experience. And he also is very upset about the way the creators were treated by the studio, that they weren't partners and they weren't really consulted. A lot of this yeah. had, a, had that sprung on That's them. That's true. But you know what? I got I got lots of bones to pick with uh, with Mr. Nolan because uh, his sound mixes are terrible. And what he did to his version of 2001 is awful. OK, so. I, look, I don't disagree with any of that, but I still think he had a very valid point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I and I think he is one of these people like Tarantino, like Spielberg, who is trying to preserve the theatrical experience and 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 the, and the value of the theatrical experience. And you know, look, I, as a, as a viewer, sure, I'm excited that I can watch Wonder Woman on Christmas. We'd wake up and watch Wonder Woman in our home, you know, in our home. Fantastic, that's great, right? Um, but I, I completely understand where he's coming from. And, you know, when this pandemic is over and we had this conversation, yeah. I hate to see things not go back to the way they were before in terms of being able to see these movies in a theater and putting them on streaming platforms devalues them, yeah. you know, so. I, I think they will ultimately. Um, but on the other hand, I, as much as, as I agree with him in spirit and in principle, I also kind of think that, that you know, Warner Brothers makes a fairly compelling argument that they've got a pipeline that's backing up. They have product that has to go out 
um, that releasing them in some way in limited ways in theaters rather than sitting on them forever is ultimately going to be better for those theaters than than just waiting. Um, but I, it's 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 tough, man. It's like we're all in uncharted territory. But what we but really like a guy, you know, who's like a '70s filmmaker talking about like when the in the 70s were becoming you know uh, uh, like trans 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 uh, transcontinental trans united what, what was it that bought mgmua uh trans uh you know and when kinney bought warner brothers it right. was like when when the moguls were being replaced by the bean counters and right. you know that's what he's fighting against he's fighting against at&t determining the fate you know, of art. And, and so I, I get his concern. I, I, I think it's valid. If, if not him, who, who's going to speak up? Because most people aren't going to risk, are, they aren't big enough to, to speak up uh, in these circumstances. I just want Wally World to open up again. That's <laughs> yeah, me, me no too. Kidding. Me too. I was so you know, there have been zero cases of coronavirus traced back to Wally World. That's correct. And here's I, something we can all agree on. That remake was terrible. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I, I, I got to say how excited I was on my first trip to Magic Mountain when I recognized, like, oh, sh- sh- this is Wally World. Like, right. I'm sitting in the same roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So, Ashley, Wednesday. Wednesday. So Mr. You know Wednesday. There's a lot of pressure on me every week. A lot. <laughs> because it's become my job to be out of the box. And the decisions I have to make are what direction do I need to be out of the box? That's why we do call I need you to be valve. Right. It's like, do I have to be so far out of the box that I essentially land inside the box? Is my definition of outside the box merely trying to make Mark Altman insane? You know, is too late. Is, am I am I finding something that's squirrely? You know, that I love that is just not necessarily what you might think. And and I don't know how to characterize necessarily my choice uh, for this week, except to say that I I think in the context of the things we've been talking about, it's definitely out of the box. And it's out of the box for my out of the box box. Um, This movie stars one of the, yeah, exactly. It stars one of the original uh, Saturday Night Live cast. Um, And it's it's a movie that kind of demonstrates something that I've always felt about comic actors, about comedians, that when you give them a really great dramatic role, they can really deliver um, because they just understand timing uh, just in, in ways that I think we don't expect. Plus, there's always there's I don't know if it's a shock value or it's they, they have the ability to surprise us, um, I think. And um, this is a movie starring one of my favorite Saturday Night Live cast members, um, Bill Murray in a movie that was written and directed by quite possibly the worst thing in The Godfather Part Three. I I am referring to 2003's Lost in Translation, written and directed by Sofia Coppola. For relaxing times, make it Suntory time. Is that everything? It seemed like you said more than that. You're a movie star. Yes, I should be doing movies. You know Lat Pak? Rat Rat Pack? A ring a ding ding. 
What are you doing? My husband's a photographer, so he's here working. He wasn't doing anything, so I came along. What do you do? I'm not sure yet, actually. So what are you doing here? Getting paid $2 million to endorse a whiskey. The good news is the whiskey works. Can you keep a secret? I'm trying to organize a prison break. <laughs> We'd have to first get out of this bar, then the city, and then the country. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. How are you? I'm Bob. You're probably just uh, having a midlife crisis. Did you buy a Porsche yet? You know, I was thinking about buying a Porsche. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be. You'll figure that out. The more you know who you are and what you want, the less you let things upset you. Um, it is a lovely uh, romantic comedy drama uh, that's set in Tokyo. Bill Murray plays an aging actor having a midlife crisis, flying out to Japan to make a lot of money shooting a whiskey commercial. And while he's staying in a hotel, he meets a young woman played by Scarlett Johansson, who's a recent college grad. She's there with her husband, who's a photographer, and he pays no attention to her whatsoever. And Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson form this connection, this really just sweet, intimate bond. Like it's- And occasionally creepy. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, there's something about it that's just, truly like it's 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 beyond their ages it's beyond any of that it's just kind of who they are they're they're both people who are feeling kind of very alone and trapped in this alien landscape and looking for something and they they find each other and this the sort of the the arc of their relationship is just so fascinating and you know it ends in this really beautiful way like one of my favorite moments in film honestly is when they say goodbye, it's, you know, he pulls her close and he gives her a kiss and she kisses him, but it's, it's, there's something sort of sweetly chaste about it, but he says something to her and you don't know what it is. Sofia Coppola doesn't let you know what it is that he says, but it works. You know that whatever it is, it's, it's lovely. Um, and it's just, you know, this beautiful little film that came out of nowhere. And it's just, and I love movies that surprise me like that. Um, you know, there is a, a funny story about the, the making of this film that I thought is just perfect for the fact that it's Sofia Coppola. So, you know, we all know, you know, on, on Apocalypse Now, the great story about, um, you know, Coppola, her father, Francis Ford Coppola, waiting for uh, Brando to show up to play Kurtz, right? And he was really expecting to get, you know, the lean, mean, green beret killing machine. And instead he got the Let's entire planet Krypton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just, it was like, oh my God. And then Milius had to talk him out of killing himself. Yeah. So when Sofia Coppola started shooting this movie, like she started shooting it in Tokyo without Bill Murray under contract. Right. She begged him, cajoled him, you know, everything to get him to do the movie, um, but he never signed a contract. So she did not know the day nor the hour when Bill Murray would arrive, like, or if he would arrive at all. So I can only imagine the day that he did show up was just, 
there's something ab ab about him showing up and it's almost redeeming Brando <laughs> that he arrives like to save Sofia Coppola's sanity in the same way that Brando's arrival drove her father to madness. I just, I love that. Um, and I love this movie. And I think, you know, for Wednesday, for when we're talking about kind of the breadth of the, the talents and the capabilities and the reach of these actors, these performers from Saturday Night Live, like, uh, to me, it's a great reminder of what else they're capable of. Yeah, uh, Lost in Translation was actually my second pick. Uh, uh, it almost was my first pick. It's a great, great pick. Steve, I believe we saw it at Telluride together, uh, Lost in Translation, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, um, I don't recall. I absolutely love that movie. I, I, you know, I saw it shortly after my first trip to Tokyo. So it really resonated for me that the, the alienness, the strangeness, mm -hmm. I, I, there's never been anywhere I've traveled on earth that I felt so was like an alien planet to, to, to me. Um, and uh, it really captured that experience. I didn't meet Scarlett Johansson. I was working. <laughs> uh, I had a lovely, lovely, uh, you know, a lovely time um, uh, just, dealing with but you know dealing with the whole culture there was fascinating a lot of dinners uh, a lot of food that was being ordered that looked like something out of uh, temple of doom uh mm -hmm. and that was a challenge um but uh, i think it's such a remarkable film it's, it's beautifully shot okay um and it really as you you alluded to you know the only thing we knew about sophia was that dreadful performance and uh godfather three so to see her you know sort of debut was such an assured uh, smart, intelligent uh, movie with such a great performance by both Carl Johansson and Bill Murray it was really, really f fantastic. And I think it's it, it was great. Unfortunately, it's not the kind of film that really, you know, she just came out with something very similar. It debuted on Apple. Yeah, on the rock. Really make a splash. And, you know, I don't think that a movie like this is the kind of movie that will, would make any noise anymore, you know? But boy, when it came out, it was one of those things, I think, that people really you know, really loved and, and really took notice of. I mean, it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Yeah. And, and as, as you said, Ashley, Murray uh, delivers a terrific performance and it just goes to show that, I mean, Murray really is a very talented actor. He's not just the, the schlubby guy who does stripes and, and meatballs and Caddyshack, uh, you know, or the sly, the sly dog like uh, Peter Venkman and Ghostbusters, but he can deliver a really great grounded dramatic performance in in that film or a groundhog day or you know some of his other dramatic well, do you remember when razor's edge came out this was a little bit after he had done uh, ghostbusters mm -hmm. and he got eviscerated for attempting to do yeah. a serious movie for daring this, to do it yeah a how dare he role. and people yeah. were really upset about it and you yeah. know the movie bombed but he was a joke you know, and it's so interesting because I think after that, he really took his career in his own hands. He, he didn't have an agent anymore. Like, literally, you have to fax him. And <laughs> if he decides, like, he's going to respond to you, maybe he will. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what you just explained with, you know, will he show up to do my, we don't know. And I mean, bigger directors than Sophia had the same experience where they didn't know, you know, was Bill Murray actually going to do the film? Would he, would he respond? I mean, it was a problem they had trying to get him to commit to Ghostbusters three for years. It's like, he just, he wouldn't respond and no he's, one could get him. He's such an enigma. Yeah. The, the facts or the phone number that you sort of cold call and leave a message and mm -hmm. like tell him about your project or something. And, and those, those stories about him showing up at random parties, like people in, invite him to a house party and he just shows up and hangs out and drinks for a while. And <laughs> He's like, the David Lynch of actors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
It's a good analogy. And he's, he's, you know, he's very versatile, surprisingly, you know, because you're right. We think of him as Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters. That's his image. But uh, he can do a lot more than that because, of course, and this isn't on my list. It probably should be. Uh, but Rushmore, think about how brilliant he oh, was in Rushmore. Yeah. Wes Anderson film, which we did see at Telluride together. Yeah. Oh, I love, you know, that. love that movie. Um, and I'm amazing. It just goes to show how deep this week goes, how deep the rabbit hole goes. Because I hadn't even thought of Rushmore until we right. started having this conversation. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. So, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's terrific. Yeah. Well, that's a great uh, pick. Fabulous. Actually. Fabulous pick. So that brings us to Thursday. So that's your day, Mark. It is my it is my day. It is my day. And I, I have to say that both um but all these picks so far are, are sensational. Wait, by the way, um, why isn't Thursday Ashley's day since it's Thor's day? And Ashley is the because writer. Ash Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good call. You know, it, 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 it's funny, I, I you know, speaking of Sarah Live, I remember when Studio 60 or Studio 50 uh, the Aaron Sorkin show was announced at the same time as 30 Rock. I was so excited about the Aaron Sorkin uh, show. I was a big fan of Aaron Sorkin. I'm, I was a big fan of West Wing. I'm like, oh, that's great. This 30 Rock. Oh, who cares? Yeah. And uh, of course, the, the Studio 50 or whatever it was, was, there, horrible. was, was awful. Yeah. I yeah. mean, as much as you I wanted to like it, you know, I just wanted to like it so much. And, you know, I, I was a huge fan of Sports Night, too. So it was just heartbreaking. And then, of course, I didn't watch 30 Rock at first because I thought, who is this interloper challenging, you know, Sorkin? And then, of course, 30 Rock is just a wonderful show, yeah. which which captures the whole gestalt of, of Saturday Life by people who actually worked on Saturday Life, uh, like Tina and um, uh, Stacy. Uh, was Stacy Morgan in real life? Is um, Tracy, uh, Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Morgan is uh, yeah? Is... Stacy Morgan was Jessica von Karmaker's <laughs> yeah, executive yeah. assistant. <laughs> we we got to stop recording these so late because I'm, I, I, I'm it's past my it's past my bedtime. Uh, it was so, Meredith Burgess uh, on something. I'm not sure. So you know, look, I I, I have to say, you know very tough week and we said this before like oh tough weeks this might be the toughest week yet shocking and 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 i looked at you know all these different options you know roxanne you know and and oh. uh, you know and 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 banana the tailpipe and uh, and uh, when you said um when you said uh, uh how much uh, vacation you talked about uh, chevy chase I thought, of course, of Fletch, but you didn't pick mm -hmm. Fletch. No. Uh, so many, so many great movies. But the movie I'm going to pick, I have to do it for the fans. <laughs> I have to do it for the movie because, it, you know, there's certain movies that I take, you know, I feel like I got to hold them up on my back and, and, and say, pay attention to this movie because it's going to be forgotten. You got to think about this movie. We just charade a lot, of, you know, a lot of movies. So this is one of those movies that I just feel a sense of ownership about. Like I got an opportunity to, to talk about it. I'm going to do it. Maybe it's not the right choice, but I'm ready to take the chance again, baby. I'm ready. And what film am I talking about? Chevy Chase, Beware the Dwarf in Foul Play. For Goldie Hawn, life became a real adventure. <laughs> when she became a target for murder in this hit comedy caper with funny man Chevy Chase. I play detective, you play lady in distress. Hey, wait a minute, it's my ass there. I'm sorry. You're right. That was a stupid, glib, chauvinist remark, and I apologize. It is your ass there after, and it's my job to see to it that I get there first. Do you believe in life after death? <laughs> 
superstars team up the action never stops in foul play foul play <laughs> is wonderful uh, uh sort of throwback to old kind of um the, the the romantic comedies you know goldie hawn and chevy chase and it's such a 70s movie burgess meredith uh, isn't it uh, <laughs> as uh, uh um, and it's just it it it, it, it curtis hansen who later went on and did LA Confidential uh, directed it. Um, it's a, it's it's like a, a Hitchcock thriller, but with a lot more comedy. Um, but it sort of has a, the bones of a Hitchcockian thriller. Uh, it's about a plot to assassinate the Pope that uh, Goldie Hawn becomes privy to inadvertently, and uh, Chevy Chase is the cop who is investigating uh, this attack on on Goldie Hawn. And it's just so funny, and it's so charming, and the two of them have this amazing chemistry. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's really funny. At the same time, when it's trying to be suspenseful, it's very suspenseful. There's a great albino because albinos are very scary. Um, and um, uh, you There's know, a and great albino. I, and, 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 you know, it all culminates with the performance of the Mikado. And, you know, it's like, how many times do we see these big, you know, finales at the, um, you know, at the opera? But, you know, to me, this was like one of the first times I saw that trope, because I don't even think I've seen Hitchcock's The Man Who, 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 who Knew Too Much. I mean, but this was sort of a take on The Man Who Knew Too Much, um, but, you know, sort of wrapped up in like a kind of fun romantic comedy. Um, it has echoes of charade. Um, it has some really goofy stuff. The late uh, Brian Dennehy is great in it. Mm -hmm. uh, he plays uh, Chevy Chase's partner. And, you know, um, uh, it's just super fun. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I know that uh, uh, Chevy Chase apparently was very difficult to work with in Live, and the stardom really went to his head. But, you know, he's so likable in foul play. You know, it's hard to believe all that because you just really think, oh, this is a guy who's kind of, you know, just really charismatic and fun and funny and uh you know and 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 he, you know he plays everything with that kind of sarcastic glint in his eye which is why he was so great in fletch as well i mean they in a way are uh, companion pieces so my pick is uh the the wonderful um comedy foul play uh from 19 i think 78 i believe 1978 yeah was um, that was that barry manilow song in there ready to take a chance oh again? yeah that's where it starts yeah. so this is great before there were drone shots this great helicopter shot right. of of her coming down the san francisco coast uh goldie hawn this vw bug and uh with barry manilow on yeah. the uh and also copacabana's in there too oh, so how yeah. could i not pick how, how could, could i not, not pick a movie how with could you Two Barry Manilow songs, not only Ready to Take the Chance Again, which was written for the movie, but also Copacabana. Because people who are listening to this podcast don't know, for a long time, whenever we'd go to uh, one of we our friend's a weddings, yeah, tradition, tradition, whenever tradition. We, we'd, we'd go to a friend's wedding uh, or some kind of big uh, event, somehow when we were all drunk enough, we'd all end up singing Copacabana uh, at the uh, you know in the in the waning hours of the celebration, yeah. <laughs> you Darren, Steve, me, Rob Burnett, uh, uh, it was Scott Hyman. Uh, 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 I remember Paul Salmos wedding. Dan with, Weber. Dan yeah. Weber. The yep, Dan Weber. Um, uh, you know, it was a whole bunch of the whole gang, bunch of crazies, the whole gang of crazies. 
So the usual gang when, of idiots that they used to say at Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So we have a particular affinity for uh, for Barry Manilow's Copacabana. I'm not sure how that started. <laughs> so foul play Thursday. Okay. So right. my 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 um, my uh, my pick is foul play. The great foul play. Um, and uh, I'm uh, I'm sticking to it, which All brings right. us to Friday. Which Friday. Is, Holy cow. Holy wow. cow. I, you know, I'm going to go around the table one more time. Just not if you could just put one for Friday. Give, give us like what, what your runner up would be, Darren. Oh, you know what? My runner up would be um, City Slickers. Great choice. Great choice. Billy Crystal. Yeah. Jack Palance. Yeah. Bruno Kirby. Yeah. It, it's And Daniel Stern, right? Daniel Stern as well. Great, um, great, great it's, choice. It's so good. It's so good. And I just saw it uh, recently. And uh, I remember how, how fun it is and how sweet it is. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I didn't find Billy Crystal annoying in it at all, which is, uh, at, which is yeah. good. I love Billy Crystal. I know. Harry Sally. Harry Mitz, but I picked that before. <laughs> so uh, so um, uh, Steve, what's your pick? Oh, what would man. your second pick be? You know, looking at my list, it's just insane. But I'm going to go with one we we haven't uh, even touched on, and that's the the three amigos. Mm. That was that was my other choice. That Martin I, Short, Dan Martin. Aykroyd. Yeah, no, no, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. All right, that's right, that's right. So the three amigos, another great choice. What about you, Ashley? What, what what's another film? Well, you know, the, my, my backup out of the box in the in the event somebody took Lost in Translation, which I figured would be you and I'd beat you to the punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was uh, actually L.A. Story. Um, oh, yeah. But but uh, but that's Steve right. Martin. It's the, who else is in it from Saturday yeah, Night Live? Right. It doesn't really qualify because he's yeah. not Sorry, really. Actually. That's way I, too I, out of the box. I, I my he's second choice. My second choice, I could have very easily gone with it. Forty-eight hours, the Walter Hill, mm -hmm. sure. uh, a film with Eddie Murphy, which people don't talk about. This is another one of those HBO films that was on every twelve seconds, and um, but it's a hard R in terms of violence. You know, mm -hmm. it's not people think you know, like Beverly Hills, even Beverly Hills Cop. There's a lot more action and thriller stuff going on than just him making the funny jokes. You know, it's yeah. later, like in the Pluto Nash era, that it's all about like straight up comedy. Like coming to America is straight up comedy, really right. funny comedy, right? But Forty Eight Hours of Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, that first twenty minutes of Beverly Hills Cop is all like that stuff thrillers. in Detroit. They're thrillers yeah. with humor in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Forty Eight Hours. Everybody remembers the scene in the cowboy bar and the shit kicker bar. But right. I mean, there's a lot of intense stuff. I mean, James Remar is a you know is as the villain, and Denise Crosby yeah. is Denise Crosby. Yeah, Tasha Yar is. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's a, that's an intense little movie. I mean, and Nick Nolte is is great. I mean, that's a great team up. Um, you know, it's also that era where they felt like they had a team Eddie Murphy up with people that right. they didn't think he could ca carry a movie. And maybe they were right with like the Golden, the Golden Child. Child. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. But, yeah, but, that um, would be out of the box. Uh, did you but, did you yeah. have another did you have another one, Ashley? Um. Well, I mean, Stripes, honestly, yeah, which I that's a great love. One. Great, um, but that's not know, really out of the box. And there's so I mean, some of the more modern ones we didn't touch on, like Zoolander. Or well, I was going to pick Zoolander too. That was on high on my list. Or Anchorman. Or, and mm -hmm. I and I left the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley movies like uh, Talladega Nights and Step yep. Brothers. 
both you know of what them. I would say? Yep. What about Will Fort, Nebraska, the Alexander Will Forte. Payne movie. Oh, yeah. Will Forte, yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful movie um, with a great performance by Will Forte also. And, of course, the Tina Tina Fey movies, Bridesmaid, Bridesmaids, Bridesmaids, yeah. Phenomenal. Mean Girls, mean Girls is just Girls. terrific. And she wrote, co-wrote that. And, and, uh, and then you have Adam Sandler in something like Uncut Gems, which, you know, he got, yeah. uh, gave a, a really strong performance in last year. Or, you know, um, or his big hits like Happy Gilmore or, you know, mm-hmm. the Chris Farley movies like Tommy Boy mm-hmm. or, yeah, yeah. There's also Lee an Madison. underrated movie, uh, Woody Allen movie called Melinda and Melinda with Will Ferrell, where he tells the movie is both um, a tragedy and a comedy with Rodham Mitchell and Will Ferrell's the comedy one. And I, I think that's, you know, it's a very underseen, underrated Woody Allen movie, which I think is a lot of fun. And speaking of Will Forte, uh, I thought MacGruber was uh, had, had a lot of laughs in it with uh, Forte and Kristen Wiig. And I'm surprised you didn't mention, but we picked it on Spy Week sneakers, of course. Mm. With oh the yeah, Anchor no, I, I was. Oh yeah, because that was my pick on on Spy Week. Uh, well, and that's why I didn't pick Animal House because we picked it for uh, right. you know Pomp and Circumstance Week. Um, one that uh, I absolutely love, and I'm surprised no one else mentioned it. Wayne's World. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolts and lightning. Just outside of Chicago. Galileo. 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 In the basement of this house. It's Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party time, excellent. Broadcast history is about to be made. Extreme close-up. I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. It's two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Here I am with the contract for $5,000. Excuse me? Now they're on their way. No way. Way. To fade. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate sequin jumpsuit? Young girls in white cotton panties, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet face. To fortune. Contractor knows. I will not bow to any sponsor. Wayne's World is so much fun and it's way better than, you know, what was on the show. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's very sweet. And uh, Dana Carvey is absolutely great in support in it. And uh, it's, it's totally a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it, it is huge. It was big. I think it was yeah. either the biggest hit or the second biggest hit of all the ones derived from Saturday Night Live. No, it was huge. And then yeah. it was the sequel that underperformed. Right. Because, you know, these, these movies have a short shelf life. You know when they're when they're based on these popular skits, you know, they so burn brightly as, and flame out. Not so short as Stuart Smalley saves his family. Huh? <laughs> I was just going to mention that. And I I actually went to a test screening of Stuart saves his family at Paramount, and let me tell you, the version that I saw was probably fifteen or twenty minutes longer, and I really liked it. I scored it very high on the cards, and I was excited to see it again when it came out. And I don't know what happened after that test screening, but they cut the it. Out. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I I really liked it. And I I met Al Franken years later, and I told him that I had seen this test screening, and I really liked it. I'm sorry that what happened to it. And he was very very thankful uh, for. For, for, for to hear that if you hadn't picked blues brothers i might suggest 1941 which i i'm one of the few people that likes that movie yeah. um you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know we didn't talk about austin powers yeah and yeah. talk about you know which was also another uh you know which for a, a year or two you couldn't get away from austin yeah. powers oh my I mean, god it was huge. Hey. 
few. Did we? I guess we didn't pick any of those for Spoofs Week, or right. no, we didn't. Like, or frankly, the Mike Myers oeuvre. So I married an axe murderer, oh. which I love. I prefer the Love Guru. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about cultural guru. It's guru to you guru. too. Um, <laughs> or I'm um, Darren. I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick. What about Bob? I was kind of expecting I, that. Too. I don't want to pick movies that I've worked on. Usually. Okay, crazy people. I think that's fair. Yeah, that he doesn't pick. You know, movies that he worked on. I feel like Ashley picking Thor. Oh wait, he did. I didn't. <laughs> 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 oh no, you told your Kenneth Brown story for um, Shakespeare Week. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't exactly. Okay. Shakespeare. I stand corrected. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Wow. So we, we just named a ton of movies. Yeah. Um, what's it going to be? Why do you think sums it up? I think we, for me, I think we want to do one of two things. Either we pick something that has like a few of these guys and really kind of captures who they were and what their chemistry was like Ghostbusters, which I'm sure we've picked before. Yeah. Um, you know, or a Caddyshack or, or something. Like, or we go for something like, since we've represented the boys, you know, I could see doing something like a, a Tina Fey, maybe like Mean Girls as as Friday because it's, you know, modern era and it's... Or we just go full hog and go Coneheads. <laughs> well, I was going to say we go with Wayne's World because not only is it a, a oh. Saturday Night Live player, but it's... Um, but it's a Saturday Night Live skit. It's a Saturday Night Live yeah. skit, yeah. which is done, True. you know, extremely well. Um, I'm sorry, sketch. Skit sketch, is, uh, is derogatory. Uh, <laughs> is that right? Is yeah, because a skit is something that you do at school and it's cute and little kids are in it. A sketch is something. So I, I would like to apologize to anyone in our that. audience who is offended by my use of the word skit. Thank you. Yeah, we, we take it back. It's right up there with Indian Giver. <laughs> I'd, um, I'd go along with uh, Wayne's World because, yeah. yeah, yeah Wayne's, Wayne's World is a delight and it was it was such a popular sketch uh, when it was on the show, uh, I don't know how many times they did it, but it was it was one of those that really saturated, you know, really permeated the the sort of mainstream pop culture uh, environment. And uh, I think I think Mark, I think you and I sat on the Wayne's World couch in that SNL exhibit. We did, we did. <laughs> we sat and on the, the couch Bohemian together. Rhapsody scene will live <laughs> yes. forever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but you and haven't it, seen the uh, you know Bohemian Rhapsody until it's performed by the original Muppets. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it it makes me it makes me remember a uh, cartoon panel that had Darth Vader and Batman standing there, and uh, Darth Vader says "Party on, Wayne," and Batman says "Party on, Darth." Oh, <laughs> that's great! That's great. <laughs> I still have to say, and I mentioned this before. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, parody scenes is in Wayne's World 2, which is the graduate parody. Oh, my where, God. Um, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they bring out Charlton Heston because yeah. the, the day player is so lame. They need a better actor with gravitas. Yeah. And then they go to the actual church from the graduate, yeah. you know, which is which is just terrific. I, I think it's such a, you know, it's not a great movie, but it has great scenes in it. Yeah. Um, so I would like say I think Wayne's World's a really good pick. I think the yeah. only thing that could give it a run for its money would it be Mean Girls or an Eddie Murphy movie. Because, yeah. of course, Eddie Murphy, you know, is probably the biggest star to come out of um, out, of, out of Sarah Live. And, of course, those early movies like Coming to America and Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours are just so great. Um, and, you know, and, and the Tina Fey oeuvre is, is really quite good. Um, but do we say Wayne's World? Is it Wayne's World? Sure. I think I, I got to go Wayne's World. Go I, I, yeah, it's a terrific movie and it really does represent SNL, you know. 
as a whole, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, due to social distancing at the end of the show, we can't all stand around drinking and hugging. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, we'll just have to, uh, we'll have to sum up. So Monday, Steve Melching. Uh, Monday is uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd as the Blues Brothers. Tuesday, Darren Docterman. Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Vacation. Wednesday, it's... Wednesday is... I just whispered it, but you couldn't hear it. It's lost <laughs> in translation. <laughs> Thursday, Beware the Dwarf, it's foul play. And Friday, it's Wayne's World. Party, Party on, on, Steve. Party on, <laughs> Mark. Excellent. <laughs> well, this was a fun one. This was a fun oh, one live yeah. from New York week. And, you know, we'll be back next week with an all new 430 movie. Um, we want to thank our sound engineer. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this one's enough for two weeks. Well, uh, we want to. Darren has electricity next week. Yeah. We, we want to thank uh, Bill Ritter, who makes it sound so good every week. Our. Um, production coordinator uh, Peter Holmstrom, our producer Natalie Miscali, and of course uh, you who listen to us every week. Uh, if you have suggestions for upcoming shows, you can reach us on Twitter at 430 Movie Pod or on Facebook at 430 Movie. Um, and uh, we hope you'll listen to our sister podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The Rebel and the Rogue, and The Best Movies Never Made. And you can watch us on the Electric Now app. This is a video podcast so you can download 430 movie or watch live stream by downloading the electric now app and watching us on electric now so check us out our live video streaming version and of course of this holiday movie. season if you can't uh, if you can't figure out what to get for your loved ones uh visit 430movie.com there's lots of swag and t-shirts and and uh, a lot of uh, fun stuff you can pick up just absolutely to, you know get the word out about 430 movie Absolutely. And if you want to get the word out about 430 Movie, you can also rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or um, you can go tell Spotify to buy us for a million dollars. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, apparently that's what they're doing. All these but yeah, Apple's getting all these exclusive podcasts and Spotify and they're all buying the exclusive things. And it's like, not that we're in it for the money, but we'll take it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Definitely not in it for the money. <laughs> we ain't it for your rebellion either. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, this is fun. Always good to see you guys. And uh, until next week, uh, this has been the 430 movie with Darren Docterman, Steve Melching, Ashley Miller, myself, Mark Altman. So until next week, Eyewitness News starts now. This episode is brought to you by Encom. Live your life on the grid with the makers of Space Paranoids. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.